Welcome back to the latest episode of Is This for Credits? Podcast uh, all about uh, teachers of English and teaching English. So welcome aboard. Uh, I'm Peter Jury. And I'm Luke McFarlane. Uh, today we, we're pretty privileged and honoured coming to us all the way from uh, Mighty Otaki to Pito Te Whenua. We've got an awesome guest here. Let's let him introduce himself. Kia ora, new guest. Who are you? Oh, tēnā kōrua. Um, o tira, tēnā koutou katoa. Nā, um, kai whakarongo. Um, ah, ko tihima baker tōku ingoa. Uh, huri a hau nō ngā iwi e toru o Kāpiti. Arā ko uh, raukaua te au ki te tonga atiawa ki whakarongo tai Ngāti Tōranga Tira. Um, so, yeah, kia ora everyone. Um, I'm tihima. Um, I'm from Otaki, and um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a writer, and um, yeah, just really honoured to to be invited onto the podcast to have a bit of a corridor about um, yeah my book watched and and I guess um, yeah the teaching of of English. So yeah, just thanks, Petty and Luke for um, for having me. Nah, sweet as thank you. Um, you said it was an honour before, so hopefully that lives on rather than the first couple of minutes. But we do appreciate it. Um, Hey, look, you mentioned you're a writer of Watch, but you've written a, a few novels and you've recently just um, dropped a really interesting concept in uh, Turncoat. Yeah, yeah. So I've, um, I've uh, just launched a, a satirical novel uh, called Turncoat. I guess it's technically a sci-fi too, just by virtue mm-hmm. of the setting. But um, just to briefly touch on that, I guess, uh, it's, it's a novel set in a future of Earth that has been colonised by aliens. And it was colonized by aliens in um, a, a very, very similar way to the way that Aotearoa was colonized. And um, in this future, uh, humans are a minority on our own planet. We have all the worst outcomes. We, we die earlier than the aliens do. We mm-hmm. more, dominate the prison population, all of those ne- negative statistics. And um, within that context, uh, the main character is this this young idealistic human named Daniel who decides that the best way that he thinks he can make a difference for his people is going to work for the alien government. So it's a it's a commentary on the experiences of uh, Maori public servants trying to navigate um, you know <laughs> the institutional racism of government and um, trying to make a difference and finding that that's actually uh, very difficult if not impossible. So um, yeah, lots of commentary on on that and and on just race relations generally. Um, uh, so, yeah, I guess it's a, a, it's a, um, it's doing okay. It's getting pretty good um, reception. I'm pretty happy with it. We've um, it's published by uh, Lawrence and Gibson, which is a small um, independent uh, uh, publisher. Which and we we do all the printing ourselves. We print, bind, and distribute the books ourselves. So um, we've kind of had an unprecedented demand um of books that we need to to create and um that's a good problem to have so um yeah thanks for letting me make the plug <laughs> no, no, no no i actually I... I actually read a really good um uh, thing about it in e tangata yes. a few weeks back and um i think he actually wrote it well yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i read a good thing you wrote about, about it, right? <laughs> but in that bro you talked about your um it relates to your own experience working in well, government institutions really eh? yeah that's right so i um yeah i wrote a bit of a piece for itangata a little while back and that's what prompted um the kind of the recent surge of, of sales and kind of reaction that it's had um which is awesome uh but okay. yeah it follows this too 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be, um, yeah, keeping an eye on the bloody royalty payment to come through. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, yeah, it, um, it, it comes from my own experiences, eh? Um, so I'm a public servant, just to be, just to be clear. And um, yeah, lots of the book is inspired by my own personal experience. Um, it's not meant to be an autobiography in disguise, though. It, it kind of draws on, you know, lots of um, colleagues and friends and whānau and the experiences that they've also had. Um, so it's meant to be kind of um, representative, I guess, of a very common uh, Māori public servant experience. Yeah. Mean. Um, due to some pretty average fan mail we received during the week, I've had to sharpen up my questions, which is why I sent you through some uh, some stuff in the email here. So bear with me, because we're actually here to talk about um, Watch. Sorry, I, I'd never mm. heard of it before until uh, recently. It was delivered a, a, a novel, well, a copy by NZRTE uh, sort of, book review uh, group, um, right, it was mean. And, um, you know, I was really getting stuck into it, but there was like uh, these two particular mentions that sort of blew my mind. I had to put it down. I actually stopped my wife. She was watching um, Love Island actually on her uh, earbuds. So she doesn't really appreciate me um, putting a pause to that, but I actually started to tell her, man, this dude's come up with this concept where these great historical uh, mythical figures in time um, actually tied directly into this prodigal power of the two key characters or protagonists within this novel. And she's like, oh, yeah, okay, sweet. She chucked her earbuds at that end, but I'm sure she'll read it. <laughs> so um, <laughs> if you're interrupting your wife to ask to tell her something like the way you worded it there, of course the answer is <laughs> why, bro. I, I, I can't even get my wife to read my own books. So, um, <laughs> yeah, she loves Lo Love Island too, and I get the same kind of look when I try and tell her, oh, I've had this mean idea. So, catch boy, I, I understand your pain. Oh, but, well, mate, I'm telling you, it blew me away, especially when you brought up um, the jawbone yarn and um, about Maui. And I was like, holy heck, this dude's got a great imagination. And obviously, because we're on this uh, this hikoi at the moment about uh, introducing these different themes and trying to promote them within the classroom, I was like, what a what a great way to to tie uh, a lot of our local stories with a more modern twist, like that DC Marvel superhero sort of spin. Where'd you come up with that, bro? Yeah, um, if I think, because, yeah, the thing is, watched, um, Watch came out a long time ago, eh? Um, yeah. 2014, I think it was. So I have to say, when, when you fellas reached out to me, I thought, oh, here's another bloody interview request for Turncoat. And I was, um, yeah, pleasantly surprised that it was about Watch. So I was like, oh, cool. Like, yeah, haven't um, had that opportunity to really talk about that before. So, And about um, seven years, we'll contact you about Turncoat. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully it's still bloody, yeah, relevant in seven years' time, yeah. <laughs> Um, so yeah, watch. So, so I started writing it, um, when I was 17, I was in my, my last year of high school and, um, I probably had the idea a couple of years before that. And, um, if I had to think where that idea about kind of incorporating historical figures came in, um, so I'm a gamer as well. And, um, I think it probably came from, I was playing, um, at the time, like Assassin's Creed series yeah. and for anyone who's not familiar with that um it's a series of games kind of set in different historical periods mm -hmm. and um that's kind of the story in the game but there's a there's a sub uh plot going on about these kind of higher beings that have existed before humanity and um you start to piece together this kind of sub plot that 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 connects all, this, all the uh all the different games and there's kind of hints of this greater conflict playing out across history and um, you start to 
yeah, learn that um, these key historical figures um, were associated with different factions in the Assassin's Creed uh, kind of lore, like the Assassins and the, the Knights Templar. And I just kind of loved that idea that that there's kind of um, the recorded history that we are taught and that we know, but there was kind of this real story going on um, mm. and that people were kind of associated with these different groups. So I think that's probably where the seed was planted. Um, but then when I started... Uh, yeah, thinking about uh, watched and and building that world, and I kind of came up with this idea. Okay, so people have superpowers, and um, there's this this global organization of superpowered people, and they they monitor the world that have been around for mil- for thousands of years. I, I kind of just had to think like, well, um, what's their role been in key historical events? And I think I probably just um, yeah borrowed that idea that, well, actually, what if key historical figures were actually people with superpowers and that would kind of explain um how how they got to where they were or how they were so kind of powerful and those kinds of things and i guess um i took the idea to yeah mythologies and well i should say you know like oral narratives and and things like that um and yeah i just thought oh well that that in the context of the world that i'm creating um that's where you know stories like maui come from mm. and um I think in hindsight, I would probably say, like, if I was to write Watched again now, I'd probably do a lot of things quite differently um, because I was young and, and um, yeah, maybe a bit less keen to um, insert that Māori tanga into there. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that was a cool little opportunity to kind of weave that in. And I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a whakaiti or, um, you know, an insult to those, to those stories because that's the beauty of the May is that they, they are different between, um, you know, different iwi, different hapu, um, they have different variations on it, and I was like, "Well, this is just my variation for this mm. for this story, you know." So, yeah, hopefully that um, answers your question. Oh, that was good. Good question. Oh, good answer. Not really a great <laughs> question, but a good answer. Take, take two of the questions. It's really good. That's just top top. Um, Rose, it's really interesting you talk about that. You being a gamer and indirectly that being probably influential. Um, something Luke and I have always talked about is around young people and reading. And um, just recently, we spoke about how easy it is to pick up the PlayStation controller mm. uh, and seems to be a lot easier or a lot more popular than picking up a book. Yeah. Um, so I'm just working out your age, bro, when you finish school, being into Assassin's Creed, I, I reckon I'm looking early-ish 2000s, late 2000s, um, and that massive online sort of scene was taken off. So it's probably, you're probably a perfect age to ask, bro, what got you into writing and obviously reading yet you're still a gamer as well it's i'm not saying those two things can't happen yeah. at the same time but it seems to be rearing young people yeah i think that's totally fair um so i've always been a writer uh, ever since i could pick up a pen i've always uh, written stories um but i guess it's had it has had quite a visual aspect to it um I, so when i was a kid and i had my my story writing book um, I'd, I'd draw the illustrations as well. And um, I can particularly remember one particular year um, where story writing, it's funny, on a teacher's podcast, you, have, you do have those teachers eh, who just um, foster a certain skill or passion for you. Mm-hmm. Eh? And, and I had one teacher, I was about eight years old, um, Miss Houston. So yeah, shout out to Miss Houston for kind of fostering um, my, my love of story writing. Yeah. Um, She'll be listening. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Most teachers um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was into X-Men, eh? And I had X-Men yeah. cards and I would bring my X-Men cards to school and I would I would just draw the pictures from the cards. But a lot of the time I, I like I didn't have comics or anything. Um, but I had all these cards and these characters and I didn't always know who who they all were, how they fit into the wider X-Men narrative. So I'd just make it up and I would put like random characters and fights against each other and, and things like that. Um, so that's where my writing first started as a as a boy with that high like visual interest, I guess. Um, and then in terms of in terms of gaming, um, I do have to say as I've gotten older, I think I've probably gravitated to to gaming more than I do for reading. But it's because I sit in front of a screen all day. Mm. Um, I sit in front of a screen reading all day is what I'm trying to get across. And the last yeah. thing I feel like doing when I you know um, sit on the couch at the end of the day is reading more stuff so it's yeah. just like a mental rest to just pick up a, a game and and play that um but yeah how to i guess how to get kids more interested in reading versus um versus gaming i think what it, i think what appealed to me about reading when i was younger the quality of gaming wasn't as good as what it is now so the challenge is probably more but it was having like you read something and it, it, the information's being given to you, but you kind of still have to create your own version of that world of the characters or what it looks like. And that's kind of, that's kind of the beauty of, of reading. I think is that everyone comes away with a slightly different picture in the head eh, of mm-hmm. who these people are, like what is happening. And that, that magic is kind of broken a little bit when you get movie adaptations and movie adaptations are like never as good as the book. But I think that's part of it is that, everyone has their own personal imagining of what this world looks like. And even as the writer, that's kind of the challenges. You want people to imagine it as you are, but you just kind of have to accept they're never going to. Um, so there's, I don't know whether that, <laughs> that appeals to me, um, but I, I don't, don't know if that'll appeal to sort of younger readers, but that's that's been the appeal of reading to me. It's like my version of the story that's being told, if that makes sense. Sorry, you, you, you bring up some... It- Makes me think of some really good examples. You mentioned Assassin's Creed. Film was was pretty average, tanked pretty badly. Um, I also remember the last Airbender film. I know my kids always oh, loved yeah. the last Airbender. This is yep. the, the the other one that came out, and then that sort of tanked as well. Mm-hmm. And constantly yep. that that feeling that oh, I was disappointing or not not what it should have been. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think. Maybe I mean, I think there's... I need to go back to that, but. You know, that, that disappointment that everyone sort of felt, oh, man, it's just not as good as the book. Or not how, I guess what they're saying is it's not how they had envisioned the book. Yeah, this might be one of those moments where you just tap out. <laughs> no, it's legit. Like, I think, I think especially with those movies, like, there, are, there are problems with them just as bad movies. Like, let's just, <laughs> let's just be yeah, right yeah. about that. But, but, but no, you're right. Like, I, I, I would struggle, I think, to find anyone who thinks that, the, the movies of any book adaptation are better than the book. Um, I mean, well, personally, I think the Lord of the Rings films are masterpieces, um, but there'll be those those hardcore like Tolkien fans, they'll be like, nah, no way is that better than the source material. So, um, and that's part of the, the medium too, I guess like a book can just have so much more richness to it. Um, there's stuff that, that has to get um, left out, I guess, um, to fit into a movie format. And that stuff is all, precious and part of the story yeah um so yeah right, when you say um you talk about when you you're a kid and writing and it's real visual for you um even with your writing now are you seeing the film 
Yeah, good part. I, I I have to say, with Watched and um and with its sequels, I did have this um reflection when when I finished them. I was like, I think these might actually be better as movies than as novels, um because I do think of that those but that particular story in quite a um in quite a visual way. Um, going back to um Turncoat, um that that's a completely different story. Like that was always going to be a, a novel, and I think I do probably think of it quite visually as well. Um, but I, 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 I struggle to imagine that as a, as a movie, like I, there's lots of things about it that just work as a text based, um, yeah, form. Uh, but to answer the question, yeah, watch is something that feels very, yeah, visual and action sort of oriented to me. And I've, I've toyed with the idea of sort of trying my hand at a screenplay. Um, I'd like to give, uh, give that a try one day of, kind of trying to yeah, convert watched into a screenplay and see how it goes. But, yeah. Well, there you go, Taika. If you're listening, uh, we've got a <laughs> screen screenwriter down in Otaki. You're keen as. Well, I've never written a screenplay before, so I don't know how good it would be, but um, oh, great yeah, keen to give way. it a crack. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like, and I haven't read watched, um, but it does sound like one of those texts where you can see people excited about, man, if that's turned into a film. Mm-hmm. Those young readers who read it, man, God, cool. I'd love to see mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned another time, but you hear the same thing, people excited when Lord of the Rings, which you mentioned, they're excited about Hunger Games, so there are those texts, they're excited about the last evening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you can see, when we talk about young people engaging, uh, when there are those those stories they love, oh man, they get excited. Yeah. Well, how do we create those though? Without having the, I mean, can we create a series of short films? Could you create trailers just to create excitement and then see how it goes? Well, fun little fact here, Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino for those people out there who <laughs> are just queued up on the film world as myself. Um, Tarantino, he released, um, he did two films. One was called Machete and I think the other was called yep. Planet Terror and Death Proof. Oh, sorry. He made Death Proof and Planet Terror and they were made to intentionally be like cheesy old school films. Mm. And to go with that, he released some fake trailers before them. And one of them was called Machete. And then the um, people really liked it. He wanted to make it into an actual film. Boy. That idea of a, a fake trailer generating interest, yeah, absolutely. It's a thing. Let's do it. Fake watch trailer. Yes, done. <laughs> when do we start? <laughs> well, on YouTube, um, there are a whole lot of fan-made yeah. uh, trailers for, for books and for games and for different things. And you, you imagine some of them look like duds, but some of them look really good and really professional, you know? So at 17 years old, you've got these two key characters, Jason and Rory. Which one are you? Um, I'm Jason, eh? Um, no, I, you'll I, be honest here. We don't, no judgment here. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, Jason, seriously, like, um, uh, and I probably modelled Rory off um, my older brother um, a bit. Um, Does he know this? I think so. Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think he does. Um, but yeah, I, I guess um, yeah, Jason uh, as a protagonist, um, yeah, he, he he you know he's full of anxiety. He, he doubts himself, um, and lots of the point of watched is him kind of um, yeah finding himself, I guess. And, and who 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 does he want to be? Who who can he be um, outside of the shadow of? Um, 
his bro Rory. Um, but what does that also mean for Rory? Eh? Like, I think um, this is the whole kind of tua kanatena uh, relationship at, at play here, where Rory um, Rory gets his sense of identity by being the tua kind of by being the one who kind of looks after his his bro and and kind of sets an example. Um, but if but if Jason decides, well, I want to actually kind of do my, I need to be my own person. I need to grow and, and um, you know, find myself. It's kind of like, well, what does that mean for Rory then? Um, and I guess that's a, that's a kind of journey that I've personally been on. Um, I, I, you know, as a, as a um, teenager, just like, as we often do for those of us with older brother, we just think they're the man. Like we just like, we just want to be there, mate. And, but there kind of comes a point where you have to go, Actually, I, I, I'm not I'm not them, um, as cool as they are. <laughs> um, I, I've got to kind of be my own um, person, and so I think a lot of a lot of that personal growth and, and development went into to Jason and his story. Yeah. Can you think of that, right? Um, I know you said you started writing at 17, um, and just hearing about it again. You know, I haven't read it, but hearing about it straight away, it seems like a story, and you'd know Luke that young readers, particularly young males, would really enjoy this. And so I can sort of see as, as a young guy writing on it, writing it, that, man, there would be an appeal here for that age. So my question for you as a writer then and as a novelist, are you consciously or unconsciously writing for that age group? Uh, I have to say I'm, I'm quite a selfish writer. Uh, um, I write for me. Oh, I, write, I write the stories that I would like to read. Um, and so watch was very much that i was like man where's a novel that's kind of set in aotearoa um and um yeah just kind of about like the the bros and and um yeah. with superpowers because i was you know into that um and so i was like well i'm just going to write my own book of that yeah. um and i guess so so it's kind of by extension a eh? then it, I, I hope that it appeals to um the audience that i was like a a young um a young male reader who's kind of into superpowers and stuff, um, but uh, just wants to have a bit of fun with that, I guess. And now it, it's quite different. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm more, much more politicised than I was then, and um, been through some some stuff in terms of my my mahi and um, relationships and that that I want to write about. So um, yeah, that, that that might sound selfish, but but that's yeah, that's how I write, I guess. What what interests me. <laughs> Me? That's a good start. I liked, um, I hadn't really thought about it too much. The fact that if I've got, uh, you know, 25 kids sitting in this classroom, we're all reading the story or well, same story, but we're all visualizing different, slightly different characters, slightly different movements, and all those sorts of things. I wonder if that's a great way to actually get kids um, tapped into the novel before you've even begun. Like, uh, okay, here's the two characters, this is what they're up to have a go at drawing them or outline their features before you even know them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and that kind of speaks to the heart of like um, what English, what I think English teaching English is about. Like, it's like, what have you taken from the text? How have you interpreted that? Um, and it can, yeah, I totally agree. It can easily start as like, okay, what does the character look like to you? Like, and it, the, in all the description, like visualize that person for you. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that's a great starting point. It's a bit of a Kickstarter. I think you can go and compare them with each other and see what comes out. I know. What do you reckon? Uh, my usual thing, man, anything that gets kids 
yeah. excited about what they're going to get into, be that reading, writing, or something, whatever grabs their interest, man, you've got to go for it. We go. Particularly yeah. if, if we subscribe to the notion that um, we're struggling to get young people excited about reading. Yeah, I think there's probably something in the powers too, eh? Like, um, like whether the powers kind of speak to the character or they're reflective of um, the character traits of that person. Do they kind of represent something? Because I think they do. Um, but there's kind of been some deliberate choices from my end on on which characters have which powers and what they kind of represent. Um, so there's kind of that aspect of it too. Like, why might this character have this ability? Like, what does that say about them? Yeah. I, I always had a bit of an issue with Superman just because he was so unbeatable, unless just it was greedy, yeah. not Just greedy. Well, someone like Batman, man, he was flawed and he actually didn't have powers. But a Superman story, unless there's a truckload of kryptonite out there, he's going <laughs> to win every time. You know what I mean? So it was kind of like he was a really, oh, well, he's too strong. He's too... He's too powerful. So in that regard, he's really ho hum. Well, just un un. Not that I can relate to any other superhero, <laughs> but but he's just the story isn't engaging because oh well, Superman will win here. Yeah, I get that. I, I think I kind of have a similar um, reaction to Superman. Like I kind of prefer, um, yeah, just the one the one power is enough kind of kind mm. of deal. But in saying that, I guess um, in watched there are some characters who have like an extremely powerful sort of um ability but they're still they're still beatable they're still um yeah, yeah it's not it's not a, a guaranteed sort of win um they've got to you've got to be able to have a bit of danger right um to kind yeah, of be invested right. so could have a weakness of all the superpowers that you identified in there which one would you go with um i mean i think with the jason I I think so. I don't want to. That's probably the boring answer. Um, but with with his power, I was trying to be like, what's something really random that I haven't seen in many other sort of superhero stories? And I felt like, um, yeah, being able to change gravity is a pretty buzzy one. Um, so I think that would be that would be quite a cool power. I'm just trying to think of um, any of the others. Um, I mean, it, uh, Dale's power being able to to teleport around that'd be pretty cool That's like pretty just kind of add a thought you can just kind of be wherever you want to be sort of thing um but yeah either of those two i might pick i'd rather be dale on those real dusty sundays when you've had a night out somewhere and you've got to get somewhere else and you cannot sit in a car for too long <laughs> can we opt into superpowers on certain days that'd be my question maybe that's watch four <laughs> yeah well and um well in the sequel there is a there's a um there's a substance that can like cut off people's powers um, and another one that can kind of enhance them. Mm. Um, so yeah, might be able to draw on a bit of that when you, next time you're a bit dusty. <laughs> <laughs> how, how many um, sequels have there been, right? How... Uh, two. So there's a, it's a trilogy basically. Um, yeah. Oh, and this is probably getting into the, um, you know, the, the sort of the stark reality of the industry that is publishing um just to be totally straight up like um yeah the two sequels weren't published by the publisher who published watched um and i self-published them um yeah. so but yeah if anyone is interested in them they're on amazon um uh the, the, sec the second one's called exceptional and the third one's called kaitiaki okay what well, our college will put those on order all right absolutely <laughs> absolutely keen as you kids will read these whether you like it or not <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, this is silent reading day, not start. All right. Bro, sounds awesome. Um, another part I familiar right, with you as a writer. So um, I know Turncoat, you've said, is probably not going to be the text of choice for young students or young people. Um, have you had any other thoughts or other ideas out that, we, that there might be another one aimed at that sort of age group or you think of the selfish you mm. a bit younger or yeah well i i have kind of had a bit of a chat with um with luke about whether turncoat might be appropriate for like older like you know, year 13 students and it might not be like it i think it's very much an adult text but um yeah i mean i was reading like 1984 i think when i was in school um which i and i didn't appreciate it until i was an adult either yeah. um, but anyway um to answer your part i Probably not. Um, I have I have kind of two ideas. I probably won't write another novel for a little while now, um, especially yeah. Now that I'm a I'm a dad and I'm just finding my time to <laughs> write just like non-existent. Um, Your selfish days are over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes. It's, a, it's a steep learning curve. Um, Sell the PlayStation. <laughs> put away those running shoes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but there are two ideas when I get the time. Um, one is I really want to write uh, like an historical fiction um, about Good. my three iwi when they settled um, in the Kapiti area in the 1820s. Um, and I just feel like I need, like that's the type of thing that I would probably write like for my PhD in creative writing. Like I'd need like years to research and write that. Um, and I kind of have another idea that's very early in formation, but um, yeah, kind of, yeah, hard to describe because it's so early, but something dealing with kind of mental health and because um, I'm, I'm doing quite a bit of mahi and mental health at the moment, so it's very topical for me. Um, so that said, yeah, I'm not sure that, I think it might be a not not a not a good text for younger readers probably is, is the best way to put it, yeah. Is this the um, dark mist yeah. that you gave your brother, Rory? <laughs> Sorry, was it? Has this got anything to do with the dark mist that you gave Rory? <laughs> nah, nah. Um, just yeah, just I'm I'm just learn like I I feel like um I've had sort of my fair share of um yeah low points mentally, but but the the mental health mahi I'm doing at the moment is for people who um are really really struggling with mental health in ways that I that I never have, um and so it's just kind of yeah opening up opening up a lot of um yeah new knowledge for me and new understanding about some things that people go through eh? um and so whenever you you kind of have profound experiences like that as a writer it's like oh man i've got to i've got to write about that because that's how you process it um yeah. so yeah it's really interesting Ro, when you mentioned historical fiction there um i was really excited uh, to read monty suter's kawai a real distinct Pro story and yeah. i guess it's it is historical fiction it's got some nice sort of different things around it but a real need for I believe uh, real authentic Maori voices to tell those stories. Um, I remember reading a lot of Morris Shadbolt's work and really enjoyed it. Um, but to have those tutoru Maori voices come through, uh, telling our own stories and our own histories, I think is really important. Yeah, it's something absolutely. we can't get enough of. Yeah, absolutely. I, I haven't read um, Kawai yet. I really want to for, for the exact same reason. It, it's totally a gap um, in our literature. And I just, I just think, even even for myself, is why I think it needs so much research. Very, very few people actually understand. I think what the world looked like um, at, at that time period, and 
especially this is why i mean it's it's personal to me because it's about my iwi but just the the reality of the the politics and and just how we were relating to one another and yeah just the world that our tupuna inhabited was completely different to the one we know now and um yeah i i don't think it's well explored um in literature so i'd love to give it a go mean we look forward to reading it absolutely absolutely I look yeah, so that'll be it. what the next seven years after the, <laughs> after the seven years catch up about the <laughs> cutting edge review seven years after its release um Tima, before we um part ways through the magic of the internet here um if you could go back to you talked about that teacher you had um this houston was it yep miss houston miss houston um obviously helped grow this 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 passion for stories can you think of either specifically what she did or other factors that were in play that really seem to encourage you to become a storyteller mm -hmm. question and a storyteller but encompasses probably that ability to write but also a passion for writing and obviously that ability to read and a passion for reading so yeah i think and the reason i asked that right? <laughs> <laughs> The, before, the reason I say that is because then if we have a whole lot of teachers listening, I just hope you, you know, there might be 20 things here, but every teacher might get a different gem. Gem is going to help teachers teach. Perfect. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, no pressure. It was quite a strange thing because um, so I, she was, my teacher, I can't remember what the standard was, but I was, I would have been eight years old and um, she had story writing as um as a as a subject like in all our books you have your math book and your like spelling and whatever story mm. writing was was one and i actually thought that story writing was a subject like at school and i was devastated when i got to the next <laughs> class and i learned like story writing is not a core subject um because it was my favorite and You're i think it was every day after after like the interval playtime whatever it was it was story writing time and i was like this is me you know roll up my sleeve and, and whip out my pencil and my x-men cards and and start um drawing and, and writing um but i think i think so there was that but it was when you, you had to you know, hand in your your book a at the end and, and you'd get it back and there'd be all the stickers and they're like wow and the the comments hey eh? and it was it's not just a tick at the end going nice job She'd go through and she'd underline certain lines that that you know were that she thought were good, and and it was like, oh wow, like I really nailed that line, or like, wow, this gave me a real sense of this, or or, or if you left it on a cliffhanger, like, oh, I can't wait to see what happens next. She engaged with the text, day eh? and yeah. um, I think that's probably that kind of thing, probably what is what helped. Like I, I obviously had a passion for story writing anyway, um, but it was the way she engaged with it. Um, that really fostered it for me, I think. So yeah, hopefully, there's, hopefully there's something in there that, that is, uh, is helpful. Right, perfect.